you know, my first challenge, you know, I guess when the ride started was that the, I was afraid that the bike was too heavy, but I had no choice to pedal it because nobody is going to pedal it for me. <laughs> so I got on the bike and started pedaling. And as you, you know, as you start making the kilometers tick down, um, you know, all of a sudden you've, you've, you know, you've got some under your belt, so you keep going. Hello, I am Joel Ingram, and this is Crisis to Crushing It podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk, and I'll help to increase perspective, expand perception, and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today on the show, we have Ari Hugerberg. He's um, currently on a fantastic expedition around uh, most, of, most of America from looking at his route on, uh, on his webpage. So Ari, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's just touch on this a second, which I think is incredible. So 24 countries, 55,000 kilometers over three years. I mean, tell us a little bit about your journey so far, because I know this is, this is a recent expedition for you. So you know, how long ago did you start and how far did we? Well, I started November 12th, and it's been an absolutely amazing experience. Um, Probably the, the, the most amazing part is just the people I've run into. They've literally come out of the woodwork, I think probably because of the time of year. And just the generosity has just been amazing. Um, across the province of Newfoundland, and I crossed a good portion of Nova Scotia, and I've crossed the province of Prince Edward Island, and I'm just uh, about a day away from getting back into New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. No, I, and most of that? journey has been uh, snow covered um i would say for the most part newfoundland was fairly rainy um but soon after getting into nova scotia it's largely been snow covered but i'll be the first to admit that i've been extremely lucky with the weather um i've only gone through three snowstorms um I, I dodged a bullet today today was a snowstorm but um i had a, a radio interview earlier today um so I took the day to just catch up on blog and website and photo uploads. So I've been very lucky with the weather. Right. I mean, so I've, I've seen some of your Facebook posts and you're saying you've been lucky, but it looks grim. It, it looks, it looks intense. I mean, uh, what temperatures are we talking? And... Well, the, 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 the coldest I've camped in so far is minus 14 Celsius. I would say that's the coldest. Um, I would say probably the average has been in minus five, minus seven. Um, <clears throat> so I don't think it's, I mean, it's, don't get me wrong, it's cold, but compared to where it could be or should be, I think I've been pretty lucky. Okay. I mean, so I can't even imagine sleeping in those temperatures. <laughs> so I'm just trying to wrap <laughs> my head around how you stay warm and how you manage to get sleep. Cause this is a exercise. Every day. Yeah. Um, well, I, I have a pretty good sleeping bag, and it does a pretty good job. Um, I will admit, I do wake up, you know, five or six or a, a dozen times a night. Uh, if I toss or turn, it usually wakes me up. Um, but I just sort of stick my head under my my sleeping bag, and I usually do pretty good. Um, and I've been very lucky. I got to admit, like temperature wise, but even, um, I mean. I think like half the times I, I get invited into people's homes 
Um, Fantastic. So I, I'm about 50% camping, 50% uh, in a warm bed, um, which I did not expect at all. Yeah. And that's just from talking to the locals when you arrive? Um, it's a combination of people that have followed me on Facebook where they've messaged me to tell me, you know, when I'm coming through their town to ring them up because they've got a warm bed for me. Um, there's been a small, small handful of people that I've, that I know personally. Um, that's just a few of them. And then I've, I have had people literally, um, just, uh, a couple days ago, I had a guy literally wave me down his driveway. He, um, he saw the article that uh, CBC Charlottetown did on me on the internet. Uh, so he was aware of me and he, not a whole lot of people on their bicycle at this time of year. So when he saw me uh, uh, coming down the road, he, he was already waving me in and I ended up spending the night there. Um, so it is people literally, you know, following me locally and, and uh, giving me a place to sleep. It's been amazing. That's, that's incredible. It sort of reinstalls your faith in mankind, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. No, that's, I mean, I, I'm adding to my mileage just in Atlantic Canada because the experiences have been just so amazing. Um, like, I did, like, I didn't plan that much uh, kilometers in Prince Edward Island, maybe uh, 300 or whatever, but I've already done 700, I think. Nice. Um, nice. And you're like, 700 by the time I leave the island. And you're lugging a, it's not just you on your bike, you're lugging a, a piece of kit behind you, isn't you? I'm sorry, what's that? You, you've got a trailer on as well, so it's not just your bike. Yeah, yeah, the trailer is for the sleeping bag and the tent. Um, yeah, I have a very, very big sleeping bag. It takes up a lot of space. <laughs> I think it needs to be big to keep you warm, mate. <laughs> yes, well, it's, 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 it's doing a pretty good job. It's doing a pretty good job. So, I mean... You don't just suddenly rock up on this idea and get to this point from nowhere. So what's, what's the inspiration and what's the story behind this? Oh, wow. Um, well, I have been planning this since 2011. Um, so I have been planning it for quite some time. Um, I never planned the Canadian winter part. I, I did plan to cross Canada as part of the bike ride, but it was never going to be during the winter. Um, Long story short, see if I can make this short. When I when I um, woke up May 16th, this ride wasn't really on the radar. I actually thought it wasn't going to happen because at the time I was engaged. And okay. then when I went to bed May 16th, I was no longer engaged. And I had most of this ride kind of planned in my head. And But I had no bicycle, I had no gear, and I had no website. And so I... And I was a long haul truck driver, so I also worked 80 hours a week. So I purchased the bike in the first week of June. I think it was June 5th. And from there, everything came together. Um, like I said, I had no bike, no gear, no website, no nothing. And uh, it was all I could do with an 80 hour work week to pull everything together uh, for November 12th. Um, I, I was really going like crazy with making things happen as quickly as I could. And they came together amazingly. When you say they came together amazingly, is have you experienced any other time in your life? Because I mean, you sort of come to a point where you've just made this decision. Yeah. And then it's, it's, it's no other, basically you've gone tunnel vision is this. 
Yeah, because because everyone told me I couldn't do it. Everyone <laughs> told me it was impossible and I couldn't do it. <clears throat> and literally, I kind of put my fingers in my ears and went, la, 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 ignoring everyone. Because if I thought about it, I'd probably end up agreeing with them and I would never leave. Um, I just I just kind of said it out loud to the world that this is what I was doing. And because I had verbally committed to it, I had no choice but to go through with it. That's powerful. So yeah, no, I, I honestly, I just, I just, I just said this is what I'm doing, and and I just, everything, everything was so. I don't want to say things were rushed, but in a way they were rushed because, like I said, I had nothing, you know, in the first week of June, nothing, and I'm doing this, you know, leaving November twelfth. Like I said, with an 80-hour work week in a truck crisscrossing America to California every two weeks. Um, it was all I could do to pull all this together. I, I, didn't even, I didn't even test ride my bike properly with the trailer. I, I actually loaded my bike with all the gear at the ferry terminal in Newfoundland. And I pushed my bike five feet. And in my head, I went, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. <laughs> I, my my parents were there because they they you know we we rented a U-Haul trailer, put everything in the back, and they're taking a they're taking photographs of me waving me on my way to this fifty five thousand kilometer three year trip crossing Canada in the winter, and I was too scared to get on my bike, it was too heavy. Oh. I, I I actually pushed my bike to the in the ferry to the terminal lane. I pushed my bike on the ferry. I pushed my bike off the ferry because I was too scared to get on it. So, so how, did, how did you eventually get on it then? I had no other choice because the ferry landed in Newfoundland. And then I took a bus to the, the, the far eastern point uh, Saint, to St. John's, Newfoundland. And then there I was all by myself. I had no other choice. I... Um, I when, when I left St. John's, like the first five minutes, I thought, I'm dead. I just, I didn't know if it was possible. But I had no other choice. And, um, you know, I, I just, you know, the first day wasn't huge mileage. Um, but the last day, I did 98 kilometers. Um, and the day before that, I did 90 kilometers. Um, actually, just yesterday, I broke my, I, not intentionally, I didn't mean to, but I broke my record. I did 100 kilometers yesterday. Nice, I did see that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and this was and this was on a bicycle that, you know, when I loaded it up, I was too afraid to get on. It was too heavy. And all of a sudden, you're smashing the miles up. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, but that that's how that's how rushed. I don't like I don't want to say rushed in a bad way, but it's just when you're working that kind of schedule. And I was trying to work around making sure I was in Prince Edward Island over Christmas. Because as a long haul truck driver, I hadn't done Christmas in six years, yeah. so <clears throat> I felt I kind of owed that to my parents because I didn't know when the next one was, and <clears throat> it wouldn't be fair to start a bike ride in Atlantic Canada and not be in Prince Edward Island over Christmas. So it was either start the ride in time to get back or start the ride after uh, Christmas. But I was a little bit nervous about the weather to do it after Christmas because. In Newfoundland, you don't have any options as far as your route. There's just the Trans-Canada Highway that, that, that goes from one end to the other. There's no service roads. There's no side roads. There's nothing. 
So if the weather got too bad, you know, I was afraid that maybe like the police would, you know, pull me off the highway because it was unsafe. Mm -hmm. And so I was nervous about that. So that's why I kind of pushed to get Newfoundland done before Christmas because there's a greater chance of, you know, not running into horribly bad weather. And uh, not to mention everything, that was the thing, everything came together so smoothly. In fact, in this entire ride, only one thing has not worked out. Only one thing. And that was when my parents picked, when, they, when, they, when my dad brought the trailer to bring all my, my gear to the ferry terminal, five minutes before he showed up, I got an email notification that said that the, um, the night, the night uh, sailing had been canceled. So we would have to go. So I would have to go in the morning instead of the night because there's two ferries. One goes at night and one goes in the morning. And that, as ridiculous as it sounds, is the only plan that went sideways since June first. The only plan. So what, <laughs> and I mean that's that's nothing, you know. I, is it? I, I bet it's a positive spin to what happened though. I bet there was a reason why that happened. Was, sorry, what by? That what happened that you didn't end up on that initial one? Oh, um, well, I you know what, actually, I think, well, yeah, we ended up staying with friends in English Town, English Town, Nova Scotia, um, because I thought I was gonna have to spend the night in the terminal, um, because you know, we were still we were still gonna go with the, the bike and the gear. We ended up spending the night at friends in English Town, um, which in a way kind of lined me up to, to for when I came back that I could stop by there, which was really, which was really quite nice. Now that being said, because I took the day ferry the following day, that meant I had to spend the night in the terminal on the other side waiting for the morning bus. Uh, so I did sort of still get stuck waiting uh, in, in a terminal overnight. Um, but all things considering, no, I, I mean, like I said, that was the only thing about this whole ride. I mean, knock on wood, I know I'm lucky. Um, that's really gone sideways, the only thing. It sounds like you removed all sources of overthinking. Um, I just I just do what I do. I mean, I, the odd thing is I've just put out the, and there's an episode going out just before this one. And it's about me setting myself 50 goals for the next 20 to 50 years. Wow. But I'm struggling. I'm, I can only get to 16, and I and I'm an engineer. I'm an you know I got an engineer's brain, and I got a, a habit to overthink. Okay. So I, I can live in the details. <laughs> you know, so, so yeah. sometimes getting that biggest perspective of like when I said to my wife, I'm actually now I'm starting to see that things are possible, and I can achieve things. Mm-hmm. It's like I want to make sure I'm investing my energy towards something worthwhile. That yep it can impact. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it's, I think I'm getting too wrapped up in what that may be rather than just following what I'm curious and enjoying. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I also live in my head. Um, someone, I think it might've been Warren Buffett or somebody, there's a quote or something that uh, he says, put your 20 biggest goals on paper hmm. and then scratch out the last 17 of them type thing. Um, okay you know what like yeah prioritize 20 goals and and then you know 
pick pick your two or three and, and, and just scrap the rest of them. Don't don't even don't even think about them. I'm gonna look for that. Why not see if I can find that on Google? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just someone I just remember I just I used to listen. I haven't I'll admit that since I got on the bike, I haven't had a chance to listen to podcasts because I'm worried about my phone battery in the cold. Uh, but yeah. I used to listen I used to listen to eight, nine, ten hours of podcasts just about a day um in in the truck so i would write down a lot of quotes um and stuff that i would hear um but anyways cool man okay so okay so we now know where you are and where you're headed i mean where's next um well tomorrow i shouldn't have a problem getting off the island and then i'm um i'm gonna follow the bay of fundy uh in nova scotia um and then I'm going to like heading, ultimately heading to Halifax and then I'll probably spend a few days in Halifax for sure. Um, and then I'll follow that coast, um, westward to the town of Digby because there's a ferry in Digby that will take you to St. John and, um, New Brunswick. Okay. And then, so then from New Brunswick, then I'll, I'll kind of more or less be heading westbound. Um, but Part of part of this next stage is actually adding to my mileage. It's like literally about 600 kilometers that uh, I wasn't really planning on, but it puts me through some amazing parts of Nova Scotia, and hopefully uh, uh, interacting with um, uh, a whole bunch of locals. Cool, man. That's, that sounds awesome. Okay, so I just want to can we can we go back in time a little bit, maybe to like sure, uh, like when you're in school. I mean. What's, what, what does, when you think of school, what stories come to mind for you? Um, hmm, when it comes to school, um, for the most part, I hated school. Um, I was probably bullied from grade nine to grade, no, sorry, grade nine. I've, I was bullied from about grade one to about grade 12. So I uh, never liked school in really any capacity. And the sooner I could get out of it, the better. Did, did you have any lean-ins with subjects? Is there anything that you did enjoy? Or? Um, hmm. Well, in high school, I always thought I was going to be a zoologist. Um, but then I realized that it requires academics. I, I, I don't really consider myself academically intelligent. Um, it's just not the way I learn or how I learn. Um, I think I'm more of a hands-on. Um, type thing um, and if I got to start memorizing things and this and that it just doesn't usually go well for me um, so I if I like my, my recollection is is in grade nine really really wanting to become a zoologist like reptiles and amphibians were my passion and they were my they were my passion from childhood I mean they are still actually technically my passion is reptiles and amphibians um, but what I learned is that um, I enjoy keeping them. Uh, I used to keep them as, as pets throughout high school and whatnot. And then I did sort of discover, you know, later on after I'd left school that I, you know, I do have some business aptitudes and ambitions. And so I was self-employed for many years. I had a wholesale business that turned into a retail business, which became educational reptile shows for kids. So mm -hmm. all that revolved around reptiles. So 
I used to sell reptiles to pet stores. Then I used to sell them out of my own store. And then I did the educational side of things also. It's funny how that goes and you sort of follow your own curiosity with probably what you're doing and then found mm-hmm. a way to monetize it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's, I'm always, I, I, I am admittedly, I'm always looking at how to monetize something. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but it is sort of a, a, a direction that my, my brain does go. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you enjoy doing it and you want to do more of it, it's, it's the way to go, isn't it? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. So when you were younger, when you were calling, when you were younger, what lessons do you feel took you longest to learn? Um, hmm. Lessons that took the longest to learn. Um, boy, I, I think you might need to help me out a little bit, maybe a little bit. Give me some example of what you're aiming at. Okay. So when, when I was, um, say like in, in comprehensive, which would be your high school, there was a point where, um, I, I was constantly be, being put down about my abilities. So the lesson there for me was to, even though I enjoyed doing it, I still get run down. So it was, was for me was to just be, be patient and just do what I enjoy. Don't, don't stop doing what I enjoy. So that was, that was the lesson for me is don't let other people impose beliefs or limitations on you. Hmm. Um, that's, uh, hmm. I'm trying to think. So, uh, uh I'm just going to start talking here and see if something comes out. Um, like for like okay, so I was very bad at math, and I always have been. Um, apparently, I was good at English, and I've had um, a few people speak into me that they 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 appreciate my writing, and they think that I'm good at writing, um, and so I've taken that on in particular through the blog to work on my writing skills, um, but. Uh, you know, when it came to school, I just, I did my own thing. I, I was kind of alone the entire experience. Um, and I mean, I guess as far as life experience, I mean, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's why I'm for the most part comfortable being alone um, because I've always been alone. Um, but I don't know if that's necessarily a good lesson. Um just yeah like mo- most of school was just really not a good experience for me and it was just you know how do i get out of it as quickly as i can um, there's, there's three things you mentioned there now so you said that all the way through school you were uh, mostly a, a solitary existence so you got yeah. like self, you got the self-reliance yeah and, and then you could even spin that into the, to the point that you've come to this point now where you've had such change you, you have got your back. Now, whether you realize you did earlier on in your life, you'd have to dig into that. But I mean, it's, it's, it's super reassuring to know that eventually when it comes down to it and you need to do something like you need to start, you need to get on that bike and start riding. You're going to do it and you've done it. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't need motivation from anyone. Um, I don't need anyone's approval for anyone or for anything. Um, uh, you know, it certainly is up to me. Um, you know, um, 
but there's also there all admittedly there is a disconnect from what the rest of the world does and what society does um you know i don't i i live a very um uh unorthodox lifestyle and i am aware of that um you know society does tend to remind me that i do live that i mean if, if it suits you and you enjoy it then what's the harm yep yep you know? no for sure and 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 you also said like so with the english you felt you weren't good at english but then you've had compliments on your, your writing you felt or you you categorically said i've never been good at maths that you you're a businessman you know, <laughs> do you know what i mean it's like is is words and limitations you're saying about yourself but then all of a sudden yeah. they're being disproved yeah, as, yeah, yeah. You, as, as you're telling me your story you're disproving your own <laughs> beliefs it's brilliant yeah. <laughs> okay so when if we fast forward a few years in time to a time of great change, I mean, you can relate this to any aspect of your life you want. What uh, stories and emotions does that evoke for you? Great change. Um, hmm. Well, most, most change resulted from, um, from setting a goal and not really thinking about it and just accomplishing it um for example um i purchased my first home before i just before my 20th birthday and i still remember sitting in the banker's office and the bank manager doing the paperwork telling me how excited i must be that i've just accomplished this before my 20th birthday and it totally threw me for a loop because I didn't know why I was supposed to be excited about that. I just, I just set the goal to do it and I, and I did it. Um, another example is, uh, when I went, like I have a home in Belize and, um, the way that happened was, is shortly after I, I did purchase the house and whatnot. I mean, like I said, I was, you know, now we're going to go, you know, fast forward a year or two later. So I was very early 20. And my life revolved around materialism and I couldn't understand why people would go on vacation and spend a few thousand dollars in like a week or two when they could buy a new stereo, a TV, a VCR back in the day um, that would last for years. And then the guy that got me into my business one day, we're just having a conversation. I literally asked him out of boredom. He was writing out an invoice for me. And him and his wife would go back and forth to Belize. And so literally twiddling my thumbs, I asked him why he goes back and forth to Belize. And for about 20, 30 minutes, he just explained what they were working on, what life was like, what the culture was like, what the experiences was, were like. And my head exploded. I just, in my world, I had no concept of that type of world. And I just said to myself, well, what am I doing in Canada when I could do all that and experience all that? And I literally told him, I'm moving to Belize, literally, just from him telling me what his life was like. And I set a goal of becoming debt free and, you know, taking care of my affairs. And it took me a year or two. And... I literally moved to Belize. Um, 
Now, I didn't stay long because once I got there, I kind of accomplished, you know, that quote unquote goal. Mm -hmm. And so, um, like I said, I was self-employed there. And so what hit me was I hadn't really kind of proven myself from a business perspective because I never gave myself a chance because almost as long as I was self-employed, I was trying to get to Belize, which meant I wasn't growing my business or anything like that. I was simply maintaining it. So I went back to Canada to grow my business to see what my skill level was capable of. And I still remember I, I got back into the wholesale and I ran into some problems with the landlord because I was raising mice and rats and crickets and he didn't know about it. And he was basically in the process of evicting me. And so I had a hard time finding warehouse space. So where I'm from in Hamilton, they have a lot of empty retail stores, or at least they did years ago. So I thought, well, maybe I could rent out some of these stores as warehouse space as cheap rent. And I found a landlord that was willing to rent out to me, but he said that they were trying to fix the neighborhood up and he would like to do, he would prefer to see retail. To, you know, so the neighborhood looked, you know, like it was vibrant and this and that. And, um, well, so when I got in the business, you know, at that stage, I was, I had a good selection of, of feeder animals for pets and I had a good selection of dry goods and this and that, but my selection of reptiles was really bad. And so we have this conversation and I realized, well, if I opened up my own retail store, then that would force me to invest in inventory. So I had like four credit cards. So I told him, okay, that honestly, I, I just, I didn't put a single thing on paper. He said he'd prefer retail. I thought about it for about five minutes and I said, okay, what could I, what, what, what could go wrong? And, you know, at the time of me selling the store, eventually a few years later, fast forward, I had 13 employees. That year we'd done a million in sales, um, all because this guy told me he'd rather see, he'd, he'd like to see some retail. And I said, okay, um, I just did it. That's an incredible uh, story. And then I just, and then, and then long story short, basically, I just walked away from it because I knew it wasn't what I, I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do when I grew up. So I just, I just, I literally walked away from it. Holy moly. Yeah. That's, that's massive. <laughs> that, I mean, think about that, like for all those things to come together and for that guy to, for, you know, for you to ask the question, for the guy to then respond, I want to clean it up and I want it to be, you know, um, like this, this, this district, the way you're tidying it up. And then you don't think about it, but say yes. Yeah, I, I honestly, I didn't think about it. It just, it's just kind of like when, when this bike ride, it's like, I got to start this bike ride this year. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I got to do it. So, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that this is the wise way to do things. I'm just telling you, you know, what's happened in, you know, no, no, absolutely. a lot of decision making in my life. And don't get me wrong. I mean, it's like, it makes, you know, I've made more than my share of mistakes. I mean, that's in part why you know, part of the challenge of this Canadian crossing is because, you know, we're supposed to learn from our mistakes and our failures. Mm. And I don't, I don't like learning that way. And so, you know, 
failures and mistakes tend to haunt me. And, you know, part, part of the Canadian part of, you know, doing this in the winter, this was the greatest challenge I could come up with. And so, you know, the, you know, I guess my initial thinking was that if I can pull this off, then this kind of erases, you know, much of my past um, type thing. So there is an aspect where, you know, yeah, this is, this is to kind of erase much of the mistakes I've made in the past. So, I mean, I, like I said, I've got a few success stories, but I also got lots of failures too. But even, 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 even multimillionaires will tell the same story that they've got more failures than they have successes. So you need to have, you, you, you can't live life not taking the opportunities when they come because then you never get the synchronicities that you got. And then yeah. no success, don't I mean no success stories. I don't, I don't think, yeah, I, I think you're living spot on. I mean, it just takes a lot of balls to live that way, you know? And to, well, well, when, when you're, when you're single and you don't have a family to support for the better part of my entire life, you know, it, there is a luxury in, in, in living my lifestyle, but you know, I, I, I realize that a lot of people can't, you know, I mean, I still, I'll be honest. I mean, there's an aspect of me that judges other people for not being more spontaneous, but you know, easy for me to say when I don't answer to anybody and my decisions aren't really affected by anybody. So. Yeah. No, that's a fantastic story. Yeah. You've just you've made me question when opportunities arise, what is my default? Uh, and usually I, I, I have to think about it and I've got a process. I well, wouldn't be. You know what? The guy that the guy that does Amazing Race, Phil Kogan. Right. Okay. He wrote a book um, a few years ago. Uh, I'll have to be honest. I wasn't overly impressed with the book itself, but it was called No Opportunity Wasted. And that title has always stuck with me. My, you know, from the day I wrote it, or sorry, from the day I read it, um, no opportunity wasted because it is our natural default as humans to say no. Um, you know, even the small little opportunities, um, and that, and that's the other thing. Like with this ride in particular, um, I say yes to absolutely everything. When anybody suggests or offers anything, I just say yes. I don't know is not even part of my vocabulary because by saying yes, so many weird and interesting things have come my way. Um, and I realize you can't just say yes to everything in life, but I do have that luxury at this point in my life to literally say yes to everything and anything. Um, but anyways, like I said, he wrote a book a few years ago called no, no opportunity wasted. And, uh, it's always stuck with me. Um, to, to, to try to default a, a yes uh, versus a no. And that is surprisingly hard. Like, yes, it is. It is. You know I mean? sometimes, a... I ca sometimes I catch myself and sometimes I realize that that's my mantra, you know, a mantra, and I, and I failed it. It's like that was my opportunity to say yes, and I did say no because I didn't think uh, I, or I just sort of spoke before I thought. Um, but, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm gonna be pondering that one for ages. <laughs> but yeah, it's understanding. Well, sometimes it's when people offer you stuff. I know for me in the past, even with like compliments, like mm -hmm. if people would offer me a compliment, I usually bat it back. 
Yeah. Um, but I'm getting, I'm getting to the point where I can more readily accept the compliment, which mm-hmm. has taken a ton of work to, yeah. to get to that point, you know, it's, which sounds crazy. It's a compliment. Just take the compliment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I get it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I think I'm going to write that one on the wall. No opportunity wasted. Live with no opportunity wasted. And I'm going to check out the book. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Okay. It was years ago that I read it. Like I said, I don't remember being impressed with the writing itself, but you know, I mean, like I, said, I mean, I took a lesson that, you know, I'm thinking it's probably 15 years later. So, I mean, in one sense it was a, you know, I guess it was a great book that I'm still referring back to it, you know, 10, 15 years later. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, you sort of touched on it already. So how do you deal with and view obstacles in life? Um, like in like like if, if you pick anything that you've overcome, whether it's emotional turmoil, mental turmoil, physical turmoil, or something that was presented to you and you thought, "Geez, hold up, how am I going to get past that?" How, how would you approach that? Hmm. Um, like like this trip. This trip is a good example. Well. The reality is, is for the most part, um, like as far as this, okay, and specifically as far as this trip goes, when it comes to obstacles, you have no choice but to tackle them head on. Because at the end of the day, there's there's nobody necessarily there to save you. You know what I mean? Like, you know, my first challenge, you know, I guess when the ride started was that the, I was afraid that the bike was too heavy. But I had no choice to pedal it because nobody is going to pedal it for me. So I got on the bike and started pedaling. And as you, you know, as you start making the kilometers tick down, um, you know, all of a sudden you've, you've, you know, you've got some under your belt. So you keep going. Um, you know, when it comes to the temperatures, you know, like I got lucky pretty early on. The coldest was minus five. But then one night it was, they were calling for minus 14. Well, you, you, you just deal with it, you know? So, you know, I survived it. And so if someone says, Oh, it's going to be minus 14 tonight, I can go, okay, no problem. I did that. Um, if someone says it's going to be minus 20, it's like, okay, this is, this is kind of taking it to the next level, but I'll put on like, you know, I've, I've never had to put all my clothing on. So, I mean, I still have a few layers that if I had to put them on, then I would put them on. Um, but, you know, most of this trip in the grand scheme of things, you know, has been, you know, has been a learning process from the, from the beginning, uh, from day one all the way through. And you, you just don't really have a choice. Like, I mean, you can't, you can't assume that there's going to be help. You can't assume that there's going to be a warm solution. Um, I think I got this a lot when I was in the truck. You know, I drove an 18 wheeler long haul for six and a half years. Um, And we had, we had a very specialized um, uh, business that, you know, and we had to do some pretty interesting maneuvering in storage units. Well, there's nobody there to, get you out of a jam there's nobody there um to back that truck in if you can't 
you, you know what I mean? Like it's, you got to do it. You. There's nobody there to help. Yeah. It's all on you. There's nobody to help you. Um, and that's sort of the way I assume that every day is going to be. I mean, I've been very lucky where people have come out of the woodwork and with their generosity, but you know, I did get a message a couple days ago. Well, the question was, well, how do you decide if you're going to sleep indoors at a hotel or camp? And I said, I have to, well, first I haven't done a hotel as far as purchased a room, but, but I mean, my attitude is, is I am sleeping outside every single day of this entire trip. And if somebody all of a sudden invites me or, or I get a message to say, this is available, well, then, of course, like I said, no opportunity wasted. I jump on it. But I have to assume that every night I'm tenting. I have to assume that, um, which I do. And then everything's a bonus. And everything is a bonus. And, and, I, and like I said, I've, I've gotten more bonuses than I can imagine. So did you know when you initially started this trip and you started putting bits together, you said you bought a bike and then it come together really quickly? And you'd already mapped out the trip. So you had the places to go, but you didn't have any kit. When, when you actually realized, like, this this is on, I am doing it, and you'd made that decision, did you then break it down? So, like, right, I need this, and then I need this, and then I need this? Or was it a case of it just all sort of, you know, come at once type thing? Um, well, there is an aspect where it is a blur. Um, basically, well, the bike, I mean, there's basically, um, three categories. There's the bike, the gear, and the website. So I walked into Mountain Equipment Co-op, which is kind of the main camping slash biking store across Canada. Um, interestingly enough, I had window shopped, uh, a month or two earlier and, someone there happened to introduce me to the bike that I am now using. And so when it all came together, it was a no brainer that that was the bike I was going to use. So I went in, I purchased, I, I told them, I said, this is what I'm planning and I need this bike by the end of November, but I'm a long haul truck driver. I'm on the road two weeks at a time. I'm only back in Ontario, maybe two hours every two weeks, if that, maybe not even. Um, can you guys work with me? Can you build this? Can this stay here while you build it? You know, like, do you have room to house it and warehouse it kind of deal? And they said, no problem. So I, I bought the base model off them and then started having, you know, I'd have a conversation with them to say, okay, what's, you know, what's the first thing we need to work on or kind of deal? Um, now, I did have to use another bike store to uh, order certain parts from. And so I, I basically worked around the two. Um, I called up the bike shop and the, the second bike shop, and they would order stuff for me. And then when I was coming through town in the truck, I would stop by and they would open up after hours so I could pick up the stuff. And then I would get back to the yard and then I would run over to the main bike shop and I would drop the stuff off. We would have a, a 30 minute conversation about, you know, what the new parts meant and if there was anything that they wanted to discuss. And then I would say, all right, have a good day and I'll hopefully be back in two weeks. 
Um, and then of course some things took longer to order and this and that. And, um, but basically I would show up, I would say average once a month to the bike shop and, uh, bit by bit they made progress and that's how the bike eventually got made. Um, the website, I had a web developer work on my Belize website, um, a year earlier. I told him this was what I was working on. This is what I needed. Could he help me? He said, yep. So basically it was a matter of feeding him content. He would upload it and build the website. And whenever I got a chance, I would have a look at it and then kind of go from there as far as, you know, change this color, move that here, move that there, take that out. Um, and then, you know, a couple of weeks later or whatever, I would, he'd get back to me and I would review what he did and, um, uh, you know, and, and then it was the same with the gear. The most of the gear, I basically, the gear mostly, I guess, kind of came from, well, a lot of it came from mountain equipment co-op. So once again, you know, when I was there dealing with the bike, I would pick up some gear here and there. Uh, some gear came from Amazon and some gear came from a company in Colorado. Uh, a lot of my winter gear from came from Colorado. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just sort of between the three, whatever's the priority, work on, and then on to the next. So, you, so there was elements of breaking things down. It's just, I think yeah. the biggest yeah. thing that, you, that, you, that I can take away from what you're saying, it was just like, and I've seen this in my missus when she did a, a half marathon. I said, I meant, I, I said about, you know, it, I think I said, if you get around. And she corrected me. She, she said, no, when I finish. She'd already appeared. It was already done. Yeah. There was, there, there was no quitting. There was no halfway rest. She, she was going and she'd already decided. Yeah. No, what, once, once I had committed, um, there was no, there was no going back. And I mean, the other aspect you know, um, not to necessarily drag this into it by any means, but I had just had a failed engagement. Um, I had no other choice. Um, I've been planning this ride for, for since 2011, so eight years. Um, because of my home in Belize, you know, my window was very small to do this ride. It was either you're doing this now or, 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 give up on the dream and go to Belize. Um, so my window was extremely small and, you know, I was, you know, I'd been in the truck long enough. I was anxious to, to be moving on to the next, uh, the next thing. And I knew, I knew I had to get out of the truck as quickly as I could. So, um, I was, you know, like as I'd had, a, I mean, this 2019 was one of my craziest years with everything going on. But I knew I had to move, and I and I I had to move with purpose. Um, it just was not an option. So, as as awesome as this trip sounds, what would concern me most is 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 ensuring I've got enough food to get around. So, did you start preparing um, like funds for this trip, like back in two thousand eleven, or was it a more recent oh, thing? Oh, oh yeah, no, I I've been. Um, <clears throat> Like, like I said, because obviously I've been playing it since 2011. Um, I did have, um, yeah, financially, I wasn't like, so I, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to figure out how to articulate uh, what I'm trying to say. Um, 
financially things were not very good for me for a few years and that is why i got into the truck um basically from a it's interesting because you know i had a business i had like 13 employees you know in my younger years and here i am in my late 30s and i was literally rock bottom financially financially and career wise you couldn't have gotten any lower than i did um and i had to i had to fix this as quickly as i yeah i had no other choice but to fix this as quickly as i could and an az license is was basically five thousand dollars for five weeks training and that was the quickest way i could change my turn my life around which it did um i went from below poverty to you know literally a hundred thousand dollars a year on a five week five uh five thousand dollar training literally um and but my dream for this bike ride had never changed so my lifestyle never changed in fact my lifestyle even got cheaper because how hard i was working for this money because i was working at the time 90 hour weeks you, um, and you you went for that license because you knew the job was there uh no actually no that was a total um i had no i Literally, like I said, the AZ license was literally pure desperation. I had no idea where it would lead. Um, it, it did lead to a job that was inside the family. Um, I had no expectation of that. In fact, I actually tried to, um, to sabotage that. I did not want to have this job with inside the family. Um, but then when I realized someone was trying this hard to give me a job, in an industry where without experience it can be hard to get a job then i agreed to it but at the time i had no idea what i was agreeing to if i had known what i was agreeing to i would never have survived i don't think a month um basically i started working for a fleet where the <clears throat> there was about 20 i don't know 20 25 drivers the average uh, career of all my coworkers was 30 years. Everyone had 30 years. You needed five years driving experience just to hand in a resume. Wow. And I had five weeks. Okay. Um, so you can imagine the environment in which I found myself in. Yeah. But I had no idea what was going. I had no idea. Uh, the, the, the job was kind of thrust upon me. So I, I, I said, okay. And um, that was the interesting part is that I got my license when I was 40. Um, and uh, I never worked so hard in my life. I never, I did, I, I consider driving the truck the hardest job I've ever done. Um, shifting the gears in a, for, with an 80,000 pound vehicle in your 40s, um, you know, it's not like in your 20s when you're invincible. Uh, in my 40s, I'm thinking, wow, I make one mistake, I can kill an entire family and have to live with that for the rest of my life. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I had never shifted a gear in any vehicle uh, until I got into an 18-wheeler. Um, and then, like I said, we did a very specialized uh, delivery system. Um, in the six and a half years, I did 1.2 million kilometers, um, which is 30 times around the planet. Um, so 
it was one of the craziest experiences that I've ever gone through. Um, but it also gives me a tremendous amount of courage for the future because all I have to do is ask myself, well, how does, you know, whatever problem in front of me compared to driving an 18 wheeler through downtown New York city. Um, and it, it, very quickly it doesn't compare. So I know I've got this, you know, whatever the problem is in front of me. Yeah. So you've got a, a very difficult, that's a resource for you know that that's your, that's your resources, that perspective of learning, uh, the truck driving. Yeah. But like you said, if I, if I had known, what I was getting myself into, I just, I don't know if I would have survived. Like I said, it was just so specialized, so much experience, like all the drivers could not figure out what was going on that they would hire someone like me. But, um, but I, you know, I survived it right, right to the end. Um, yeah. I was in the top, you know, paid uh, driver the last few years um, because, and that was the thing the whole time I like my attitude and my goal and part of the reason I was sort of sabotaging this particular job is because I told him, I said, I'm not sticking around. I'm here to make money for a bike ride. And as soon as I've got that money, I'm out of here. I told him outright up front. Um, and so my lifestyle with, you know, with the increased pay, my lifestyle did not change by a nickel. Um, it was all about the bike ride. That's awesome. So you, when you look back, you... I mean, I know it's just the ones that have led to success or like the most learning. But you've made a hell of a lot of uh, leaps. I'm sorry? Like, you've made a hell of a lot of leaps, like leaps of faith where you've just acted because yep. you were maybe inspired or just was, you know, com compelled to do so. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I sacrifice pretty good. To, you know, if, if I have a goal, if I have a dream, I, I have the ability to sacrifice, you know, uh, quite, a, you know, I, I, I'm capable of sacrificing to get what I want. And, you know, even if it takes time, I, I can wait it out. Um, I also, but I, I kind of joke because, you know, I am Dutch. So there is a Dutch stubbornness that, you know, runs through the, the race. And so, you know, I, I've been told I'm the, the, the well, I, I don't know if I think I'm the most stubborn Dutchman, but uh, there's definitely a stubbornness that, that comes through. And I mean, I've even had, you know, uh, senior senior citizen Dutch guys tell me I'm the cheapest Dutchman they've ever met. Um, <laughs> you know, and these guys, these guys are 20, 30 years older than me. And they're telling me that I'm the cheapest Dutchman they ever met. Um, and it's like, yeah, but I got a dream. I got a goal. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, let's, let's go forward a few. I mean, you're, you're currently on this one. So if, if this was to go, um, which is going to be the most amazing and craziest journey you've ever been on, what's, what sort of some things that you can maybe see happening further down the line, maybe two, two years or three years down the line when this is maybe. Well, that is actually kind of a good question because I did not anticipate these first, you know, the first month and a half. I had no expectation or anticipation of the way it was going to go, you know, from the, from the get go. And so already that's completely, you know, thrown, thrown me for a loop kind of deal. Um, I, I, I don't know in many ways what the future holds. I do have some 
passion projects that uh, that I would like to pursue. Um, right now, like when I first, you know, in the first week or two of getting on the bike, it, to me it seemed like, okay, this is about survival. Um, and, and very much it is, you know, you in the sense of being in the cold. You know, you only have, you can only do so much as, you know, other than pedal. Um, you know, your, your focus is staying warm and getting to a warm place and, you know, where the, where the restaurants are to eat, this and that. Um, you know, now in many ways, the ride has shifted in many ways to just interacting with, you know, whoever comes, you know, crosses my path. Um, and so that's very much my focus. I'm just being open to the people I meet and wherever that brings me. Um, you know, moving forward, um, like my passion is actually reforestation of rainforest, jungle, and, 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 you know, forests and whatnot. And I would love to, um, expand on that. See, this is the thing is, is because of the way I focus on things, I only, um, I'm kind of like, okay, so for example, like trees are my passion. Um, other than the fact that they have green leaves, I really couldn't tell you anything about trees. I haven't had, I don't have the time, I haven't had the time to um, learn about trees. I just know that they're uh, extremely important, they're beautiful, and the world could use, you know, another hundred trillion of them um, type thing. Um, I would love to use part of my ride to learn about them. Uh, perhaps do something similar to what you're doing as far as a podcast where literally the experts can teach me as I create content. Um, I would love to get hands-on in some of the Central and South American countries where they're reforesting jungle and, and work with those organizations that are already planting forests so that I can learn hands-on from them. Like, I don't see myself going to school by any means to learn that way, but if I can learn hands-on and I can learn from, you know, experts just talking, you know, just talking to experts, um, I would love to do that. And I would love to see where that leads. And, and, you know, if my ride can facilitate that or help move that needle along the way, like, um, you know, if it means working with some corporations, uh, that would be awesome. I mean, that there is there is an aspect where this ride during the winter, it, it's it's I've thought all of this through on, on on many many levels, and I realized that in part of making this like the greatest challenge I've ever done, um, it will also give me a, a level of credibility where I can perhaps talk to people that would normally close their doors on me because. They're just, you know, if I went to them before this ride and just told them what my dream was, they'd say, yeah, 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 everyone's got a dream. Go figure it out on your own. But moving forward, if I introduce myself and say, well, this is what I did, and here it is already documented, but this is what I'm working on now, well, now I have a story that's going to open that door just a little bit. And, and, and enough and, and to also give me some credibility that you know they know hey we can work with this guy because when he says he's going to do something he's going to do it 
Um, and if that can facilitate, you know, greater numbers of trees being planted someday or whatever that means, um, I'd love to see that happen. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Oddly enough, that's, we, we watched a, a documentary the other day, my wife and I, um, and it was touching on uh, the, the <clears throat> I think it was to do with like being vegan, and then it touched on like the rainforest being destroyed and to grow crops for the animals that we consume and everything else. Um, and then we watched another one which said there's another rainforest in Russia, which I'd never heard of, which is being also being mercilessly cut down for, for timber. Um, and so I put this on my goal list, that 50 list of goals I was saying. Yeah. But it was like, I, want, I put on there, like, save the rainforest as a big goal. But I was like, do you know what? I don't know at what point the rainforest is going to be at when I'm in a position to make that difference. Yeah. You know, and then I'm thinking, but you've just verbalized it nicely there. It's like, it's the reforestation. So, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I, and I think I needed to hear that because you just give me a, a fresh, a fresh perspective on what's possible. So, I, I would, I would love to use my land. I have, I have about forty acres in Belize, and I would love to use a portion of that land uh, as a nursery to raise seedlings. Um, on my website, I put a legacy goal that I would like to plant. I would like to plant or have planted one million trees in my lifetime. Now I realize that one million trees is not that many, but my hope is that by the time I reach a million, it won't be that hard to, to turn that M into a B. Yeah. Because like most millionaires, it's always the first one that's the hardest. But once they've kind of made their first million or two, the, the, the other ones just sort of come by pretty quickly and easily. So, um, and I don't want to sound crazy by saying I want to plant a billion trees. Um, but I do have a legacy goal where I would like to plant a million trees or have planted. And, um, I do have some things I'm thinking about in that direction, but you know, just with the ride, the way it's going right now, I'm a little bit distracted as far as how I want to, you know, how I want to see that move forward. Um, but I've sort of stated on my website as a legacy goal, um, because I think that's, you know, you're talking about your 50 goals and this and that. And I do feel it's important to actually state those goals out loud um, for the world to see, you know, because in a way that holds you accountable. Um, I think that's probably one of, you know, one of my more important um, values is, is accountability. That if you say you're going to do something, that, that you're going to do it. I mean, it's one thing if you fail because you learned the hard way that, you, you know, your goal wasn't realistic or whatever, but um, I think it's important to be accountable to our words. And so part of, part of um, having a goal, I believe, is if you're actually passionate about it, um, is you really need to state it out loud for the world to hear and the world to see. And, and, now, and now you're now accountable for it. Yeah, no, I like it. It's... Uh... And you bang on the money. I, I was listening to a podcast the other day, um, a guy by the name of Andy Frazella. I don't know if you've heard of him, uh, MFCEO no. Project. If you get a chance, check him out. He's cool. He's very straight, but he's, he's, he just talks about what you just said because he was 20, I think it was 20 years creating a business and his sports supplements that he was in. And he says, everybody's like, wants in now, wants in now. He said, but what you don't realize is I've been 20 years building this. 
He says, yep. you're seeing what the, the overnight success as it is. He said, yep. the last two to three years. And my first million is, took me 20 years, but my next million is not going to take me 40 years. Yeah. So you're saying about that compression of time, about being consistent, you know, being, um, and just you know, having the patience, be patient and be consistent. And the rest will follow through, you know. So... That's cool. Okay, um, and then the last thing before we uh, before we disconnect is um, what, where can the audience find you and on what platforms? Well, um, my website is safariari.ca. That's safari, r-e-a-r-i-e.ca. Um, and I also have a Facebook fan page, Safari Ari. Um, so the website is great. Everything does get shared to Facebook. Um, and I would say, obviously, there's even more content on the Facebook page uh, simply because it's easier to post to that daily, you know, a, a photo here, a photo there um, type th thing. But so between the website and the fan page, um, that's definitely the, the best place to, to, to follow my ride and whatnot for sure. Okay, that's fantastic. I'm going to put the links beneath the show anyway so people can connect with you. Um, I just want to thank you again for coming on and sharing your story. It's been fantastic to have you on. Um, you've given me certainly plenty of things to go away and think about. Uh, like awesome. my, de my default thinking and being open to that opportunity. And, and you know, what, what was the saying from the book, from the, right, from the writing book? Oh, no, no opportunity wasted. No opportunity wasted. Yeah. And I'm going to tell my son now. <laughs> Ari, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, no, it's been awesome. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you for coming on. Top man. Ari, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, I don't know if you'd be up pretty further down the line, but I'd love to have you back on. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. And we'll, um, I'll look to connect you up with some other people as um yeah, that would be great. Okay, that would be uh, great. I got a couple of friends. There's one guy actually who's um, he's a ayahuasca doctor down in South America. But I don't know okay. if you're gonna. I don't know if you're gonna be anywhere near him, but I'll I'll connect you on Messenger. Okay. So you might have these random connections come up from Team Ingram or Crisis yeah, Depression, yeah. it, which is probably me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, man. Love what you're doing. Stick with it. Yep. And stay safe. Okay, thanks. All right, thanks very much, mate. Yep, bye. All the best. So thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram, and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful, and professional people who feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging, and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit.